the Pro Wrestling Bowl. 35 short stories, including Harley Race, Ricky Morton, Tracy Smothers, and Tim Storm. Along with 300 photos from the independent scene. Taken from Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama. Get your book today by going to WrestleVille.com or LanceByChance.com. WrestleVille, it's where wrestling lives. Are you a fan of pro wrestling, comedy, and combat sports? Then we have the podcast for you, because we cover that and much, much more. Do you like to debate with your friends? Do we have the perfect segment for you? It's the 531, where we take any given subject, break it down to a top five. From there, we debate it down to three, and then into that number one spot. If you want to get a hold of us, find us on our social media. Search Working Fans Podcast on any major social media platform. And if you want to find the podcast, search for us on any major podcast platform as well as YouTube. Working Fans Podcast. We put in the work so you don't have to. We want to take a minute to thank our newest sponsor on the show, 482 Designs. That is F-O-U-R, the number is 82 Designs. 482 Designs. You can find them on Facebook by looking up F-O-U-R, 82 Designs, at F-O-U-R, 82 Designs on Instagram. And if you want to email them, Go to four82designs at gmail.com. Pretty soon, we're going to be rolling out some high-quality T-shirts and stickers that were just done by the sponsor. Please check them out for any of your screen printing needs. First off, it's a light years better than our first one. Also, we survived the washer and dryer. They look good, and they're good quality. Nice. And those stickers before Paco chewed them up were amazing. And luckily, we'll be getting some more in, hopefully, before we start selling them to fans. But that's F-O-U-R-8-2 Designs. We are talking about a movie, The Wrestler. No. 1974's movie, The Wrestler. That's right. Not Mickey Rourke. <laughs> Ed Asner. And Vern Gagne, who was Mike Bruyard, I believe was the name, he was the bullet. Yes, he was the bullet. And you know what? I think that it was an interesting thing. You have to remember this movie was done in one of my least favorite time periods of movies. Mm-hmm. It was done in the early to mid-70s. It was done in 1974. I am a classic film guy. I love movies all the way back to the silent movies. However, this is done in my least favorite time period of movies. So you weren't a fan of the 70s? No, I think that it is a horrible time when they were trying to get the colors down, trying to get, they were trying new things with cameras and angles, and a lot of it was shaky, and I'm just not a big fan of that time period. There is a distinct look to the 70s. I'm going to show some pictures that producer Joe got for me here. Like, kind of see if you're watching what is here. There's this very, there's a certain color that just screams yeah. 70s when you see it. Yeah. And, and, and I think to a point they were going for the realism and the smokiness that was in the arenas and stuff like that. And I get that. I do. I just think that it comes off as a little lackluster. We're so used to now watching things in high def. And because our TVs are the technology that they are, I think it draws out some of the flaws in what they were doing then. So, yeah. James uh, however, Westman was the director. And then producer was W.R. Frank, and Vern Gagne had an executive producer credit, which isn't really surprising. Wait a minute. He wasn't just an executive producer on it. He It was his production company, right. the two of them together, 
that actually put the movie out. Uh, hence, Vern Gagne being the star and it being centered around Vern Gagne. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, his character, he was, uh, his character was like a college wrestler who trained pro wrestlers. <laughs> yeah. It was a real, it was a real stretch. It was a real stretch. He really got outside of his comfort zone. What like pro wrestling this movie does have a certain appeal to it i will say that there's a lot of cameos 57 actual cameos in there the problem is is that for a lot of the modern fans about seven of them will be recognizable and about 50 of those cameos will go unseen because they think that classic wrestling starts with flair and hogan right well you and you will see flair yeah he's (laughs) in there briefly dusty Rhodes is uh, in there dusty Rhodes, great dick murdoch yeah, That's, a little bit. Uh, Don, Don the Rock Morocco, the original rock. They had that kind of stereotype, slightly racist music when the Japanese guys entered the bar. Really? The, yes. <laughs> they even had them playing basically villains from James Bond. They were dressed yeah, exactly the same. Yeah, things as- like wrestlers weak karate good or whatever yes, that's, although he did hit the bartender with a nice spinning roundhouse so that was actually a nice kick <laughs> there was one thing me and joe talked about this too i think you'll agree that i will give him this as you can tell i didn't like the movie i thought it was awful but i will give him this they did go out of their way to try to show the legitimacy of pro wrestling like they really tried to make you feel like this was a real sport. I liked it. I believe we call that kayfabe. Yes. And <laughs> Asner is arguing with the media and talking about how they don't give wrestlers the right, you know, like they're not enough. You know, the right um, kind of publicity. Joe's off in the comments and he says that, that was odd job from James Bond. The problem was is they actually kept him in the character of odd job from james bond <laughs> today that would not fly today that would be a big problem we'd have people boycotting the movie there would be protests maybe things catching on fire we'd, we'd have a problem here's the problem so it was completely kayfabe but the way it was marketed was that it was basically going to be a look into wrestling here's a look into what wrestling is and they even went as far as to get olympic star dan gable to come in and part of the movie and he works with mike graham and they talk about legitimate takedowns and then when they have eddie graham his father working in the ring with wilbur snyder they go and the reason why we stand up is because we don't give points for takedowns no the reason why we stand up is because it's more entertaining and because it's far more exciting (laughs) than to actually be laying on the mat humping each other right which is hence why wrestling became a work exactly Favorite cameos for me, oh man, Dusty and Dick Murdoch. What about superstar Billy Graham? Billy Graham. They, they cut me all up. I'm bleeding everywhere. Oh my God. I thought that the receptionist was kind of strange. She was kind of flirting with everybody in this movie, her character. Yeah, including the two teen idols that they had, the Crusher and the Bruiser. who look like they were about 60 years old already here. For those of you who might not know, Dick the Bruiser ran wrestling basically out of Indianapolis, and then the Crusher was known as the man who made Milwaukee famous, which, first of all, Laverne and Shirley made Milwaukee famous. And then Hank Aaron was actually in Milwaukee at the time playing for the Braves and had just broken Babe Ruth's all-time home run record. So I'm pretty sure it wasn't necessarily the Crusher who made Milwaukee famous, since some people on a map probably still can't tell you where Milwaukee is. Yeah, there is something about how old a lot of the wrestlers look in this time period too whether it was to travel whether it was you know the lifestyle Vern Gagne in this movie is only 47 years old he's actually younger than half of the stars that you see working today Vern 
Yeah, Vern Gagne is only 47 in this movie. Yeah. That's yeah, his actual real age. And he's he's playing kind of an older guy, too, that's struggling, where he's thinking about retiring and stuff like Chris, that. Chris, Chris Jericho is five years older than that. <laughs> Just to give plot? you an idea. Tell people the plot and the story, basically, of this movie. So here's the plot of the movie. The plot of the movie is, is Vern Gagne is an aging wrestler. And remember, this is in kayfabe right now. So it's not like they're telling you, hey, we want to put it on somebody else. They're trying to find a contender who they think can finally beat this guy because he's got this deadly drop kick and this incredible sleeper hold combination that can really just dominate people. And and yes, in this time period, the drop kick was considered one hell of a weapon. Hence, Billy Taylor, who was actually a legitimate shooter, Billy Robinson, saying, nobody's ever hit me with a drop kick. I'm not going to give away the and spoil the ending for you, but he gets hit by a drop kick. Yeah. Which is the <laughs> end of the movie. Literally the end of the movie. They black out from there. It's over. They even have him saying his famous line, ain't nobody ever hit me with a drop kick. In case you don't know who Billy Robinson is, Billy Robinson, and I know you do, Dave, but in case the fans don't know who Billy Robinson is, he's actually trained a lot of MMA guys and has actually helped to work with a lot of legitimate shooters out in the world throughout the years. He's he's actually one hell of a wrestler, was famous in Japan, obviously famous in his home country of England and really just a legitimate badass right he did a lot of catch wrestling which is basically amateur wrestling but with submission josh barnett actually has worked a lot with billy robinson another person is ronda rousey has worked a lot with billy robinson just an all-around badass but here's the plot to the story so you have a promoter the promoter is frank bass i'm sure that's not a play at all on sam bass from elvis fame but (laughs) that he is a famous promoter and he's promoting out of minneapolis which obviously the minneapolis real life promoter was Vern Gagne for the awa but he's promoting out of minneapolis they're trying to put together a super Super Bowl of wrestling. Right. They bring in promoters. They bring in the real promoters from other areas. They actually bring Vince, in Vince Vincent J. McMahon, the senior. Yeah. They bring in, what is it? Why am I going blank? Much Nick. They bring in yeah. all of the top promoters of that time period. Which are Pedro Morales and Dorothy Jr. Of the- yeah, and, and people in that time period might not realize that. A lot of people are going to think that it was Bruno, but this is during the time period where Morales had become champion. So you've got Morales, you've got Dory Funk, who was the NWA champion, and then, of course, Vern Gagne was the AWA champion. One, one thing I'll cut, I liked was how Dory Funk Jr., they made reference how he looked old. Like They're like, well... You know, he's bald. And when the guy's like, well, he's only 32 years old. And, and that's the difference. At that time period, Dory Funk Jr. was 32 and Vern Gagne was 47. So, <laughs> yeah, he looked old. He just had a horrible hairline. The <laughs> funny thing is, is Eddie Graham, who ended up in that working out in that session there, he was one of the other big promoters. He was obviously in the Florida territory. They made mention of Fritz Von Erich, who was running Texas at the time. They did a good job of basically listing all of the promoters that you could think of. Everybody from Wally Carbo, obviously, who was big in the AWA, to see Ken Patera in there. It's a fun time. I love at the beginning when they have beautiful Larry Henning. (laughs) Yeah. Handsome who, who, Larry who, who handsome Larry Henning? They do go on to his his name later in life was the Axe as he got a little bit older. But it was just funny to see him as handsome Harry Larry oh, Henning. It was Pretty Boy Larry Henning, I think. Actually. Pretty Boy. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. my bad. I'm looking That's at some a, of the notable students of Billy Robinson. I thought people might find this interesting. Brad Riggins, Playboy Buddy Rose, Gary Albright, Gentleman Jack Gallagher. Josh Barnett, Akushi Sakuraba, Marty Jones, Ric Flair, Shayna Baszler, 
and the Iron Sheik, just to name a few. Wow, that's incredible, right? Can you, uh, which which one of those guys would you like to mess with? And it was Dirty Dusty Rhodes back then, producer Joe. The reason why it was Dirty, dirty it was because you got to remember they were the West Texas Outlaws at that time. This was before Dusty really broke into his singles career, and he was part of that West Texas Outlaws with Dick Murdoch, where right. it was Dirty Dick Murdoch and Dirty Dusty Rhodes. And they talk about this in Flair's book, too, how wild Murdoch and Rhodes could be. And and they reference that in this movie too, where yeah. they're like destroying things, raising hell. Well, um, they really did get in trouble for stuff like that. That donkey story is a real story from real life. <laughs> it's not far off. And I wouldn't be surprised if they were racist and beat up a couple of Japanese guys in the bar for no apparent reason. Well, <laughs> Nick Murdoch, it's been rumored for years that he might have been a member of the clan. So um, well, uh, allegedly. Allegedly. Allegedly, Dusty Rhodes got brought to a clan meeting and told me, get the, get me the hell out of here. So uh, an, Another legitimate badass that's in this movie is they make a cameo for Danny Hodge. So you see a few of the real legitimate badasses in there. You see Nick Bockwinkle, who basically looked the same for 30 years. He looked the same in 1988 as he did in 1974 with the blonde hair and the freaking just always kept himself in top shape. So that was kind of cool to see. Don Morocco at that point was actually still very skinny. He hadn't bulked up, bulked up <laughs> the way he would in the future when he goes to the WWE. But it, it was very good. So one of our fans who's paying attention here, I believe, what's what's the name there? Joe Seart? I don't know who this is, but he asked, what did you like least about the movie? So Dave, you hated the movie. What did you like least about it? I thought, honestly, the worst thing about it was the pacing. It was just a very slow-paced movie, and it really dragged. And it just really it was just an odd story because we all know wrestling is entertainment. Like we, as fans, appreciate. We know what the legitimacy is pro wrestling. We know these guys get hurt. We understand that, but we also know that it's predetermined. So this concept of like there's a legit fight going on here it's just odd to me and then so, on top of all that the pacing was very so strange. it would be it would be easy for us to say from this time period obviously with kayfabe basically being gone for yeah. us to be able to look at it from our eyes and go you know what uh, it's predictable we know what's going to happen we know blah 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 blah, blah. Uh, but here's the thing gene siskel who actually reviewed the show in 1974 said and i quote he said the movie was very predictable. I knew what was coming, just like a pro wrestling match. Right, right. So, so let me let you in on a secret. We're not the first generation to realize that this might be kayfabe. <laughs> <laughs> Overall, if you're a wrestling fan, I would say you might find a few gems in here. This isn't must viewing, but you might get a kick out of this. Beyond that, I if you're not a wrestling fan, I don't see why you would watch this. Oh, if you're not a wrestling fan, please do not watch this. If you are a wrestling fan, which I assume if you're watching our podcast yeah. or listening to this on one of our platforms, Spotify, Apple, Audible, really everywhere you can listen to Mage Podcasts. If you're listening to this and you're thinking to yourself, I love wrestling, I want to see some of the great legends like Luthez, then absolutely make sure that you tune in to see this because why it's not a great movie. And I'm sure Ed Asner somewhere is rolling over in his grave going, I can't believe somebody watched this. It is a fun movie just to see cameos. Right. I saw people who were past their prime or done by the time we were children mm -hmm. and we we did grow up in the heart of 80s wrestling and then early 90s wrestling obviously and 
some of these guys, like I remember when the Road Warriors came into the AWA and beat the living shit out of the Crusher and the Bruiser, and it was a big deal that they beat up these two guys. And remember thinking to myself, well, these guys look really freaking old here. Right. I didn't realize they were teen heartthrobs 10 years before that. Uh, yeah. Or seeing who I thought was young people and Greg Ganya and Jumpin' Jim Brunzel because they told me that they were teenage heartthrobs in the 80s and not realizing that they were in their actual like mid to late 30s by that point already. <laughs> to, and to answer the question in the comments, yes, I would agree with AJ. The cameos are definitely your favorite part of this movie. And yeah, a little bit on that story with the Road Warriors too. Bruiser and Crusher didn't leave their feet a lot. And I think it's Road Warrior Hawk that tells the story. Or at all. Kicks, I think, Bruiser or Crusher in the gut and just picks him up for a press slam to start a match off. And he's like, and they're like, nobody does that to us. And they're like, well, I just did. <laughs> yeah. And you got to remember that the reason why is because the Bruiser and the Crusher were actually like the road warriors in their time period they were right. a destruction tag team they would come in and literally just beat the hell out of people very similar to the wild samoans in the 70s where they would just come in and just dominate and beat the crap out of teams so by the time we saw them they were older and it was hard to actually understand because of the size difference between them and the road warriors how is this a dominant tag team i think on that note, I don't think there's anything else to add to the wrestler. If you're a wrestling uh, really, fan, check it out. Yeah, yeah. If you're a wrestling fan, please, you know, check it out. You'll see cameos in there. Remember, it is done in kayfabe. I mean, we could talk a little bit about Vern Gagne. It's funny to hear Vern Gagne complaining about promoters and then talking to the crowd and going, oh, well, as a wrestler, you can travel the world and you can make tons of money in the camp and stuff like that. Vern Gagne was notoriously cheap. I'm sorry, I should probably say uh, allegedly notoriously cheap there was also the funny story that by the time he gets to the end of his life he's got horrible alzheimer's and ends up killing a guy inside of a, a senior center home allegedly huh. ends up killing a guy inside of a senior center home because he legitimately thought that he was in the middle of a match and being attacked so he ends up killing this little old man inside of a senior center yeah, yeah he's definitely was probably the baddest ass that uh senior center how to badge it yeah, and he is a legitimate guy. He was an alternate for the oh, yeah. U.S. Olympic team. He was, let's not take away from Vern Gagne. He was incredible. Really, the only flaw was that he didn't know when to change with the times, and he was cheap, and he shoved his son down our throat. And he just looked old the whole time, too. He didn't look like a guy that was a star, but... No, he was like, no, he never did. He he. We saw him wrestling at the end of his career when he was teaming up with his son or teaming up with other people to do things in the mid-'80s. And this is 10 years later, and he basically still looked the same. So he always looked old as shit. So on that note, I, I'd like to add a little something. I, I'm done with the wrestler. <laughs> I got nothing else to add. Dave, Dave hated this movie. So the fact I, that we've I, been talking about this for 20 minutes is absolutely incredible. I thought I'd bring a little bonus stuff here this week. I wanted to ask you something, and just be curious. This is totally out of left field. This is something a little extra. People maybe enjoy this. And uh, I there's a little comment. I was listening to a podcast this week. It was Grown JR, actually. It was Conrad. And he said something that got me thinking that nobody's really made a big deal out of. But I thought Yes, they should use the tag rope. No. <laughs> Don't slap your thighs. No. <laughs> <laughs> he said something about Jim. It was nice to see AEW honor you beforehand. Because they could have done that, obviously, you know, off TV. Yeah. And he said it was nice to see that you kind of get your flowers 
And then he kind of like passed over. He said, but he said, what do you think? You know, well, he said, I'm sorry. I'm looking at our next comment here. I already saw it. I, I, I was th- I was already planning on touching um, yeah, that already. We'll touch on that. But basically, it was basically that some companies hadn't really, you know, kind of played JR in the best light. So this is my question. Really? Companies haven't played JR in the best light? This is my We're talking about that. Really? Really? <laughs> really? Every other they kiss my company, ass club. They, they they kiss my ass club. The Doctor mm-hmm. Handy. The really yeah. which which one of the which one of those wasn't good for Jr. I, that's what I want to ask you. So, in your opinion, and I'm not saying like I'm not saying to Jr. You can like Gordon Soul you like ever, but has there ever been a better play by play guy who's been as disrespected as much as Jim Ross? No, nobody ever came out with Gordon Soley and was like, hey, you want a bottle of vodka, Gordon? Right. Hey, hey Drunko the Clown, you're going to call the matches tonight? Right. Yeah, people people didn't disrespect him back then. He was, re- and, and people to this day still regard him in high light. Uh, I think it's just Vince McMahon. I think Vince McMahon gets nervous when people get over too much or when people become too popular other than what he's built them up for. And I think that when he gets uncomfortable like that, gin, yeah, absolutely. We should have brought him a bottle of gin. 100% right, Joe. That's uh, maybe set him up for an AA meeting, have an intervention on the middle of the broadcast. Gordon, we know you're about to call the matches. We're here for an intervention. Mark Madden um, once made a comment that was interesting to me. He said the reason why Vince doesn't like JR is because Vince doesn't like a lot of guys know more about wrestling than him he doesn't he doesn't like anybody who actually knows really the history of wrestling who understands how wrestling should work if it if it's not vince's style and it's not what vince has preached for the last 40 to 50 years now he he hates it if it's not sports entertainment if you're if you love pro wrestling and you want pro wrestling to succeed he hates you (laughs) so on that note let's talk about these releases before we sorry sorry hold on hold on allegedly (laughs) <laughs> well, let's talk about some of these releases. So it's interesting. I think How me you- and you both agree. We thought NXT had one of the better episodes this week. And yeah. then we fired everybody basically like the next day. Like, I don't get it. Like, <laughs> Rod Breaker and Chapo was great. We had Walter back. Uh, I, I want to believe that Vince and Bruce tuned in and they watched it and were like, this isn't what we wanted. Everyone's fired. Yeah. How about after three months of service, after up, after uprooting her life, after changing everything, moving across the country, just having a brand new baby? Three months later, Karina absolutely gone. One of the uh, our Alice in Danger, if yeah. you want to call her by her working name, completely gone. Hey, you're doing a great job as a producer. We've had no complaints whatsoever. But after three months, I'm sorry, budget cuts, baby, budget cuts. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> tough. Yeah, it was interesting to see them let go of William Regal. Yeah, who's he ever trained? <laughs> and I don't know. I'm not really shocked. Samoa, Samoa Joe Samoa. got released. So Samoa Joe, I think, wants to actually still wrestle. I don't know how healthy he can actually stay. He's had a little bit of problems with staying healthy. But I think he still wants to work more. But it seems like basically anyone who is on that team with Triple H and building up the WWE, other than Shawn Michaels, who obviously Vince McMahon has always been like a father figure to and has absolutely loved himself. 
everybody else seems to be good riddance. The Armstrongs are both gone, Scott and Brian. It's literally anyone who's friends with Triple H. Did Ace still get let go too? Ace still got let go. That was one of the ones who got let go. So we can get him back on our show. Hey, Ace, we're looking forward to talking to you. Yeah, I'd love to have Ace back on now. We can talk to him about getting let go. I think it's 30 days before he can talk to us. Yeah. Yeah, great guy. Yeah, he was absolutely a great guy. And you talk about knowledge for the business. Once again, we just talked about how Vince doesn't like guys that are knowledgeable about the business. When we had Ace on, that guy has got so much knowledge and passion for the business, runs a great school down in Florida, which I assume he'll get back to running now that he's not producing for the WWE. So if you're training down in Florida, hey, train with Ace Steel. Absolutely. Scotty Tuhati, another one that was, you know, just tremendous in that role. Robbie Brookside. I really don't know who's left. Norman Smiley. Yeah, they, right uh, well, they had to make room because they brought Walter in from the UK. Yeah, he is going to be in NXT full-time now, so that's kind of an interesting thing. I, I am hoping that at some point they're going to have Braun Breaker feuding with Walter. That'll Tony Khan recently said that he's got a dream signing. You think that could be Samoa Joe? Yeah, absolutely could be. With the style of wrestling that we've seen Tony Khan likes, I could absolutely see Samoa Joe being dominant over there. And what a positive force he would be in the back also as a producer and as a wrestler. Yeah. I, um, I, I think another one would probably be AJ Styles, but I don't think AJ going anywhere no 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 not aj which is a shame because they treat him like absolute dog shit Grayson waller <laughs> you think he's gonna be doing the job i pray to god not the problem is is i could absolutely see aj doing it because he's that giving and loves working with the younger talent getting people over so i could absolutely see him doing the job and it makes me a little sick to my stomach even though i don't actually dislike Grayson waller i think that he definitely is a heel and is playing a pure heel which is awesome yeah i don't have a problem with Grayson Waller. i don't know if he's it's also extremely athletic. Yeah. He's just green. He's push. just still green. He's just still green as goose shit. I'll throw what's there out there before we get out of here. I was curious what you think. Do you think we see Braun Breaker, now that this is like Vince and Bruce's NXT, do we possibly see this guy maybe get a little run in the Royal Rumble this year? Oh, I think he absolutely will. I think you'll see a showcase of him. You'll get to see some of those power that he does. The man is scary strong. He reminds me very much. I love the fact that he does that combination of his father's and his uncle's moves. He's got the athleticism that is more than either one of them. That that standing back moonsault that he did is absolutely ridiculous. I'd like to. I don't think he'll do this, but I would really get a kick out of if they had Braun Breaker and Rick Steiner both in the Royal Rumble this year. This is I don't think I heard stories that Rick can't even lift weight over his head anymore. Uh, so I would I, I would prefer not to see that. I was in Steiner lies. That that would be awesome. It really would. But I just from what I understand, he can barely move, which is also why they did the cameo off camera. And keep in mind, Braun Breaker's only been wrestling for like six months. Incredible. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. What he had a hell of a match with one of the best that you'll see anywhere with Tommaso Ciampa. And I'm sure people out there will go, oh, yeah, but he, he you know, he was carried by Ciampa. And sure, he was. But still, to be able to keep up after six months, that's Is incredible. Ciampa and Roger Strong long for this NXT. They don't really belong anymore. No. Yeah which is a shame. I mean, it's good for the rest of the wrestling world who will get to work with them, but I don't know. I think Roderick Strong just re-signed. Yeah, interesting. I don't know what they're going to do with it. He he did, even though he lost to Carmelo Hayes, he did have a strong match. Mm-hmm. And same thing with Ciampa. It's not like they just freaking bulldozed him with Braun right. Breaker. Right. Yeah, we'll see. I think you need guys like that right now in NXT, at least to like... Yeah, of... well, we also thought that they would need producers like William Regal, but hey, right. who knows what Vince is going to do. No, 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 you have no idea anymore. Like, and I, it's actually been one of the better TV weeks. Like, 
We talked about day one. That main event was awesome. Raw was solid. The ratings came back this week were pretty good. Uh, NXT was good. AEW, of course, had an awesome show. That Hangman page, Brian Danielson bloodbath was just fantastic. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the last time I see Brian Danielson in a bloodbath because all his matches that were good. WWE, I don't think he bled once. No, I love seeing a guy who once was retired for concussions doing a battle of the headbutts. That was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, we had Shibata back this week, too, for us. Yeah. Too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely fantastic. We should wrap this up. I feel like we have done the work so that they don't have to. So we definitely should start to uh, wind this down. And uh, uh, Hey, and Randy Osco finally tuned in. Hey, Randy, Randy. Thank you for tuning in. But this is the Work Advanced Podcast where we do the work so you don't have to. All right, so that wraps us up for this week. Thank you again for listening to the Working Fans Podcast. So as always, you can find us on Twitter at Fans Working. Our Facebook page is Working Fans Wrestling Pod. We have email where you can reach out to us and let us know what you think also. That's Working Fans Wrestling Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, Working Fans Wrestling underscore pod. And then as always, please continue to listen to us on Anchor.fm, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, all your major platforms. If you're following us on Apple Podcasts, which we are also on now, and YouTube, please make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It helps us bring you these podcasts where we get to talk to you and talk with you every week. 